From MPB Think Radio, this is Deep South Dining, the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. Hi, I'm Malcolm White, here with my good buddy, Carol Puckett. Today, we will be your guide through the wonderful and aromatic world of gumbo. Made popular by our Louisiana cousins and known all around the world as the cuisine of Louisiana, gumbo has made its way everywhere, and certainly here in Mississippi, We have our own sausages, our own okra, and our own Gulf Coast seafood. Today, we welcome champion gumbo maker Nikki Allison and Felicia Kent, a.k.a. the Gumbo Queen, to talk about what it takes to make an award-winning bowl of gumbo yaya. And, of course, we want to hear from you. You can join us by calling 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. It is Monday. It's time for Deep South Dining. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's Monday morning right here on MPB Think Radio, and this is Deep South Dining. Hello, Carol. Hey, Mal. How are you doing? Cannot complain. Cannot complain. Had a great... Weekend up in the old high school home, Boonville, Mississippi. We had our 50th high school reunion. I know, I know. You okay. don't look old enough to, know, to have a 50th. But I did uh, follow <laughs> your progress on Facebook, and Boonville was rocking this weekend. Well, it was because, first of all, on Friday night, Boonville played Nettleton in football and won the game and, and in doing so became the conference champs of that league. So they'll go on to the regional, and then we hope the state high school football championship the old blue devils look good the band now i will tell you was extraordinary uh, i do not remember us having that high quality of band they went on the next day after the game on saturday to compete in the state championship and won all first places so it was a stellar weekend for the boonville high school blue devils just one point here. Didn't you play football for Boonville? Do I remember that correctly? You bet your sweet bippy I did. I was a fullback and a defensive end. And I played for uh, four years under Coach Jim Drury uh, at the Boonville High School and had a m- wonderful time. And in fact, at the game on Friday, they invited our whole 50th uh, class reunion crowd, the class of 69, out onto the playing field. And that was quite thrilling for an old geezer like me it was good it was good and i ate some great uh, north mississippi boonville foods um when when i got there saturday morning we my friend bill barnett uh, who always lets me stay at his house his house we call martha's house that's his mother's name we went out to the south side diner uh saturday morning and we had a couple of slug burgers and of course they were having tamales that day and they were I'd never seen this I posted it on Facebook they had a little zipper bag tamale wrap it wasn't a corn shuck it wasn't the parchment paper it was a, a little weird kind of sewn up bag well I saw that on your Facebook page and I thought you had mistaken parchment paper and I wondered you know what in the world is he talking about well, but who knew they were great. And, uh, you know, up there, there's sort of this Dilworths uh, tradition. The Corinth Dilworths have a great tamale stand up there. And they used to have a little cart in Boonville they'd bring down and set up the main intersection on the weekends. But <clears throat> these were not made by Dilworths. They were made uh, locally by the owners, operators of the Southside Diner. 
and uh, they were delish. But Bill Barnett, the guy who <clears throat> had me staying in his house, made breakfast every morning <clears throat> other than this one morning, and he made <clears throat> some great hot sausages, pancakes, and uh, hash browns, and great big old cat head biscuits. We ate well in Boonville. Well, I... I didn't really concentrate on food this weekend, but I did, you know, what you call going down a rabbit hole Mm. on the Internet. I have been really concerned, as you know, about this whole pumpkin spice phenomenon. I mean, it's really getting out of control. So I was looking up a pumpkin spice product to bring you this weekend, Mm. and one thing led to another, and before long, I mean, I have this list of pumpkin spice products Food groups, including Cheerios and Special K, have pumpkin spice additions. Can you believe it? I cannot. And I see you brought two items. You brought pumpkin spice spam, which you've spoken of in the past. Yes, and I I brought this for uh, Java Chapman, our producer. And there's a little recipe on the back that says, spice up breakfast, add diced spam to Mm. waffles. Wow. My goodness. And then I what brought you this? some Pop-Tarts. Oh, no. I thought because you're on the run sometime in the morning that you might no. enjoy a pumpkin spice Pop-Tart. Well, uh, I appreciate that. It's very thoughtful of you. You know what the problem is, and this is this is why I've been going down this rabbit hole, is it's kind of ruining the thought of pumpkin pie, which is mm. my favorite Halloween, I mean, Halloween Thanksgiving food. And, yeah, I love to bake my grandmother Helen Todd's pumpkin chiffon pie recipe. And, you know, this is making me question things. Well, you got to block out the noise, Carol. You know, you just can't let pumpkin spice, the pumpkin spice revolution cloud your, your thoughts of, of your family's pumpkin pie. Yeah, you're right. But we even just people that know better, like Blue Diamond Almonds Ugh. has pumpkin spice. It's a, it's a it's a trend. Okay, what, what can you say? I'm going to get over it because we've got to move on to gumbo. Well, we're going to talk about gumbo today, and we've got two great guests here. We've got Nikki Allison, who is one of the champion uh, gumbo cookers f- from the International Gumbo Festival, which takes place place this Saturday down at Smith Park. And Nikki has come to talk about her award-winning gumbo. We also have Felicia Kent the gumbo queen here to talk to us about her gumbo and she has brought samples and i see java in the control room and they're trying to wrestle with a blue crab claw and he seems to be enjoying the gumbo as you and i will as well yes we will so that's this saturday at smith park we'll talk more about the gumbo fest later but i would also say you know don't forget to vote Tomorrow is Election Day statewide. A lot of races uh, are up for grabs. Be sure. And we want you to eat your breakfast and then go vote. Yeah. Eat your lunch. Eat your lunch and then go vote. Go vote. But or we also, vote and then eat dinner. Right. So so don't forget to vote. It's a, it's a great privilege and a right. And, and we also want to talk about the countdown to Thanksgiving because we're, we're closing in on Thanksgiving. So, Carol, we want to from, – from each show from now until Thanksgiving, we're going to do a countdown, right? That's I think only we a few. will. And we're a month out from Thanksgiving. And in the next few days this week, people should uh, concentrate on getting your guest list okay. in line. I mean, thinking how many people you're going to have, mm-hmm. who those people are. Going ahead and issuing invitations if they're family or if they're not family. Is it time to start 
uh, counting forks and plates? It is almost time Not to quite. start. Yeah, but the other thing it's time to do is clean out your freezer uh, one month ahead of time. It's, it's a really bad job, so go ahead and get that over with. It's got to be done. Those are the hot tips for this week. Not make the menu yet. You can start making start planning. You plan the menu. Mm-hmm. You start planning the menu in your head, and the next week mm-hmm. we'll zero in on the menu. You know, I always enjoy making Craig Claiborne's Thanksgiving dinner that was in one of his many <clears throat> many cookbook volumes. Uh, I just always I tried that once or twice, and it made for a beautiful meal. It's the whole thing is in there. The whole Thanksgiving. Well, why don't dinner. you bring it next week, That's and we'll go through idea. that. That's a good huh. idea. Let's talk gumbos. All right, gumbo. Uh, well, you know, I grew up uh, in uh, Perkingston, Stone County, so we were just a short distance from the Gulf Coast, and gumbo was, a, you know, was a regular thing at my house. Now, I've talked to my friends from the Delta, and they say gumbo was a special events, uh, like the neighbor would make up a big pot and invite everybody over. What about you? You grew up in and around the coast as well. Well, I did, and also my father was from Mobile, so he was a big gumbo lover and seafood lover. So, you know, I grew up with seafood gumbo, too. But, you know, when I think of gumbo, I cannot help but thinking of your brother, Hal White. Um, He made my favorite gumbo. Well, you know, Hal was a great soup maker, and, uh, you know, one day I'm going to publish his soups. I will tell you this. When he died, he left 244 soup recipes, and one of them was the gumbo that we serve at Howlin' Mouse, and that gumbo recipe we took from my Aunt Mertis, and she made this gumbo down at the Mary Walker Bio where they had a weekend trailer, a cabin, call it what you would, fish camp, and that's where we learned to really enjoy seafood gumbo and learn how to make it, how to mix the sausages and the okra and the vegetables with the seafood and make that good dark roux. Well, if I remember correctly, and I may not, uh, Hal actually won the first gumbo cook-off in Jackson. He did. He won the very first uh, international gumbo cook-off, and we still have the paperwork to prove it down on the wall at Howlin' Mouse. We'll, We'll also have, we'll be out there Saturday, not competing we don't compete because we uh, we receive uh, the benefit of the fundraising that goes to Hal and my dad's memorial scholarship funds, and we'll talk about that later. So, but we will be down there with a pot of gumbo from Hal and Mouse uh, after everybody has sampled all the gumbos and the awards have been given out. We'll just be giving away Hal's gumbo for for festival goers. Mm-hmm. Well, there'll be a lot of people lined up because that's how a lot of people remember Hal and. It's such a strong memory for me that at his funeral at St. Richard's Church, there was a giant gumbo pot down in the front of the church. With flowers in it. Yes. Cleta Ellington. Cleta Ellington uh, created this beautiful floral arrangement and had the good sense to put them in Hal's gumbo pot. It was a beautiful thing. Anyway, we're going to talk all about gumbo today. Uh, We're going to take a break. When we come back, it'll not just be Carol and I, but we will be joined by Nikki Allison, uh, former winner of the International Gumbo uh, Festival Cook-Off, along with the gumbo queen, Felicia Kent. Felicia's been on the show before. We're so happy to have her back. You can join the conversation, talk about gumbo, recipes, your favorite gumbo, what what you do and do not do with gumbo. 1-877-672-7464 or email us at food 
at mpbonline.org. We're going to take a little break. Be back with Carol and myself, Deep South Dining, with our guests Nikki Allison and Felicia Kent. Welcome back to Deep South Dining. Malcolm White here with Carol Puckett. Carol. Hello, Mal. We're going to talk about some gumbo. Oh, and I'm happy about that. Mm-hmm. Got two very, very special guests in the studio now. Nikki Allison, who is a former winner of the uh, Bank Plus International Gumbo Festival Cook-Off, and Felicia Kent, the uh, gumbo queen. Welcome, ladies. Good morning. Good morning. I think we have two Louisiana women in here. Yes, you do, baby. Yes, ma'am. Nikki, where are you from? Uh, born and raised in Baton Rouge. Excellent. Baton Rouge, the red stick, the capital of the great state of Louisiana. Home of the LSU Tigers. That's yeah, well, right. that. <laughs> They're number one in the nation. What they can are. you say? They are. We I have love Bama Coach this weekend. O. You know, we, we share Coach O at one time, you know, the University of Mississippi. Yep. But anyway, enough about football. Uh, Nikki, you have competed and you still compete, right? Yes, sir. In the festival. And how many years have you done that? Uh, I think our first year to compete was 2013. Um, and we've won best individual team every year except for 14 when we won best overall. 14. Excellent. Oh, and what is the name of your team? Gumbo Monkeys. Gumbo Monkeys spelled... G-U-M-B-E-A-U-X. Uh-huh. That's Louisiana style. And how many people are on the team? Oh, my goodness. I think we're probably up to about 25 now. Oh, um, Lord. It's it's as much a, a, a family reunion and a, and a tailgate as yeah. it is as anything else. We have Do a good time. y'all deck out in costumes? Uh, we have shirts every year. And so, uh-huh. we, uh, so that's one of the things through the years. Somebody has to come up with some type of slogan that we put on the shirt. Uh, so, Can so you share this year's slogan? Uh, this year's slogan is "Be grown or be gone." <laughs> no children. <laughs> no like children it. in this area. <laughs> Get away from the gumbo pot. Felicia, you're from New Orleans. Is Born that right? and raised in New Orleans. Mm. And what brought you to Jackson? Well, after graduating from Jackson State University, I got into education and working with some of the local institutions, and um, decided to make. Mississippi, my home. And you brought a little taste of Louisiana with you. Yes, indeed. So, uh, Allison, do y'all use, I mean, Allison, Nikki, do y'all use the same recipe every year or has it evolved over time? It's pretty close. Um, we typically use uh, smoked turkey, uh, chicken, and an andouille. Uh, ah, we so- have talked about doing a seafood gumbo for the festival. Um, but in the years of doing it, I was telling there's so many people that have shellfish allergies. Right. Um, so we try to keep it pretty basic so everybody can enjoy it. Yeah. And and your recipe, uh, Gumbo Queen, is it the same? Or have, is it something you grew up with or is it an evolutionary recipe? It's an evolutionary recipe, a combination of um, me learning from my grandmother and my mother. And, of course, uh, me being able to fine tune it in the kitchen. How do you become the gumbo queen? Were you crowned by some uh, organization, or is this a self-anointed? Uh... Is there a governing body for that? Is that... I want to be on it. <laughs> well, first of all, you should be in the sweet. You should be in the the queens uh, lineup at the House St. Patty's Day Parade. You're absolutely all, right. All queens should be uh, downtown. You're uh, absolutely right. So, I'm going to have to put that on my. Get I'm your gonna... crown. 
You have a crown or not? I do. Of course you do. Of course. Carol has one. Carol I have has many a tiara. crowns. Tiara. I have, have them for all occasions. Uh-huh. I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes you want to be discreet, and sometimes yes. you want to go all out. So uh, you guys do chicken and andouille, Nikki, and, uh, but you do seafood. Is, is that right, Felicia? Yes, I do seafood. I also mm-hmm. do um, chicken and andouille, okay. duck gumbo, oyster gumbo, you name it, a piece of meat or a piece of seafood, I can do it. It's all about building that roux, mm-hmm. and once you're able to build that roux, you can just about put anything in it, like my grandmother said, but the kitchen sink. Anything but the kitchen sink. Are you... Uh, Okra or filet? Uh, I use uh, filet as one of my base. What I do with the okra, because some people are not too in love with okra, I saute it on the side, and then I add it to the gumbo. Mm. And if you saute it on the side, that takes a lot of the um, moisture out of the okra, so it won't be so slimy. Got you. I love slimy okra. I love slimy okra. <laughs> well, I could but, do it either way. <laughs> but for you know, for our listeners, we're kind of tossing some terms around. And I remember the first time a Mississippi girl heard the word roux, I went, ooh, what is that? And it's spelled R-O-U-X, which is a French word. And a roux is a combination of half flour and half oil and the... Uh, the flour is cooked in the oil at it really a medium temperature, and you know, of course they're white roux and they're light roux mm-hmm. and they're dark roux. But that's what we're talking about, and mm-hmm. we should also talk about if you burn a roux. Oh, you need to throw, throw it, it away, out. honey. Yeah. There's only one rule about roux: don't burn it. Don't burn, don't burn it. it. Don't burn it. Low and slow. Low, low and, and slow. slow. And the longer you cook it, that's the more darker it would get. Now, are you? I see your gumbo from here. It appears pretty dark. Are you consider it a dark gumbo or not? I consider it um, a medium, medium, medium dark. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And uh, Nikki, y'all, what kind of tone do you have to your gumbo? Pretty, pretty close to hers. So we were a medium dark. We're Louisiana yeah. girls. Uh, <laughs> right. Definitely not. You can't do light. Um, and I've found that some people don't. They don't like the look of a dark, dark, dark gumbo. Yeah. Really? It's frightening. They think it's burnt. They do. They think it's burnt. Uh, Well, you know, when you have a big contest like this, uh, Nikki, you know this, you can walk around in the mornings out there and the Bloody Marys are often flowing and there's a few beers involved. And you'll smell this very distinct smell. And you know for a fact that someone has turned the heat up. too high and walked away from the room and there's just no way to hide it do you tell them nikki <laughs> no i've never burned the roux out there now i will say this so i always cook jambalaya for the for the guests for all the everybody that's helping um and i have burned the jambalaya out there before <laughs> because i was paying too much attention to the oh gumbo. so you have jambalaya on the side yeah that's okay. what we, we have to keep everybody fed during the day <laughs> yeah you gotta have a good base that's all right. right we're gonna go to the phones we've got francis is calling us from natchez and she is talking about putting some sort of uh, i can't really say green Peppergrass in the gumbo. Hey, Francis. Yes, sir. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, uh, have any of you guys ever heard of using peppergrass in gumbo? Uh, about ooh, 30, 35 years ago, telling on my age, uh, a guy uh, told me, now, that is peppergrass. It grows low to the ground, 
but it was laying in this septic tank field line. He said he wasn't going to touch that. Where can I find some? Well, let me take that one. Uh, There is a traditional gumbo called gumbo zerb, which is Z apostrophe with the word herbs on the end. And it's also called green gumbo. And it was actually introduced in Louisiana uh, by the Germans who came to Louisiana in the uh, the 1700s and and really grew a lot of the produce that kept Louisiana alive during some uh, tough years. But it, it served usually on Maundy Thursday, which is the Thursday before Mardi Gras, before um, yeah, before Lent starts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's a tradition, and I'm not sure about peppergrass, but it was made with all different kinds and still is Green. of grasses. Mm-hmm. And uh, and grains, and you're supposed to use an odd number mm-hmm. of grasses and grains for good health. It okay. was the Holy Thursday. Yeah. Uh-huh. Have you made this? this no, combo? I haven't. Uh-huh. I haven't. Uh, Leah, Leah Chase. Chase. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to all say Leah Chase <laughs> at the same time. Yeah, she is known for. Yeah, and yeah, we miss her. She died a few months ago in her 90s right. and was was cooking. Right up, I think the up week she yeah then. the week mm-hmm. she died. But hers had mustard greens, collard greens, turnip tops, beet tops, and grasses. And I, I believe she had thirteen different ones. But I'm sorry, I, I don't know about pepper grass. But I think any edible grasses will do just fine. Yeah. So Francis, do you actually cook with the pepper grass? Well, I saw it, and uh, like I said, it was about thirty five years ago, and it was growing in this septic tank field line. And uh, mm. yeah, the, the, this older guy showed it to me. He said, that's good in gumbo. Well, I'll be. He wasn't going to touch that, though. No, not <laughs> no. there. Well, that's that's uh, interesting, and we appreciate your call and appreciate you listening to Deep South Dining. Uh, and let's see. In, in terms of the ingredients, let's talk about the vegetables, uh, that Felicia, that you use that go into your gumbo. I use what is called the Three Trinity, the celery, the bell pepper, and I use the green bell pepper and the red bell pepper and the onion. Okay. And I, um, at the end, I use fresh parsley just to sprinkle it. It brings um, a little color to the gumbo. Yeah. I love the fresh chopped parsley in the yes. gumbo. Absolutely. And, Nikki, what vegetables make up the sort of backbone of your gumbo? Trinity for us is similar. So onions, green onions, bell pepper, and celery. So you add And garlic. And green onions. And then the garlic garlic goes Absolutely. But but the vegetables are used to cool down the roux, and you introduce the vegetables as soon as you're ready. Correcto. And we'll talk about different ways to make the roux when we come back. We'll take a little break here. And we'll uh, start to dish up the gumbo that's in the studio that the gumbo queen Felicia Kent brought us. And we'll be chowing down on that beautiful uh, bowl of gumbo uh, during the break and when we come back. So if you're interested in talking about gumbo, sharing a recipe with our guest today, asking questions, if you have advice for us or if you have questions for us, we'll be happy to entertain that. Give us a call, one 672 A question for Nikki or Felicia or about the Gumbo Festival this weekend or Carol. We're right here. We're happy to talk to you about gumbo or anything else that's on your little hearts this morning. So give us a call. We'll be happy to talk to you. We'll be right back with Deep South Dining. 
An evening of jazz can be just what the doctor ordered. Join me, Meredith Michelle, with WJSU's Evening Jazz, 7 to 10 weeknights on MPB Music Radio. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Deep South Dining with Carol Puckett, Malcolm White, and uh, <clears throat> Nikki Allison, who uh, is award-winning gumbo cook-off uh, chef uh, from the fabulous Banks Plus Gumbo Cook-Off Festival coming up Saturday in Smith Park. Also, the Gumbo Queen, Alicia Kent. Welcome back, ladies. Welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. I got gumbo all over my fingers, and I've got a bay leaf <laughs> down here on my... Uh, uh, on my script, so uh, now I always love the bay leaf. Uh, I, I think of it, Felicia, kind of like the king cake. And in, in the king cake, if you get the baby, baby, you lu- then, then yes. you're lucky, and you get to host the next party. Yes. That's how I think of the bay leaf. That's if you always- get the bay leaf, the next gumbo party is at your house. <laughs> okay, I, I've always believed. I that. love it. I like that. I like that Good tradition. All right, we got a caller uh, on the phone from Tupelo who wants to ask us about. Uh, a muffin recipe. Hey, Judy, what's up? Hey, I'm not working. I just wanted to call in and tell you about this idea of uh, uh, canned pumpkin. Okay. Uh, you take a uh, dry box of spice cake mix. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't add any eggs, water, oil, nothing, and uh, uh, whatever the recipe calls. For. I mean, the cake box calls for. Yeah. But you mix that with a can of pumpkin and a half a cup of water, stir it up and put it in your muffin pans, pans and you can have uh, raisins if you want to put in it. It makes a good muffin, it freezes well, and you can carry it with you when you're on the run. Wow, that's a great Thanksgiving idea to share uh, about a pumpkin recipe. There are a million things you can do with pumpkin. We appreciate you calling in, Judy. We appreciate you listening to Deep South Dining. We also have a, a caller from the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Uh, Cameron is calling in from the pass. Carol, what do you know about the pass? I know a lot about the pass. She used to live there. You did. Cameron, what's up? Hello? Well, Cameron's not there. That's cool. We're here. We're eating gumbo just as heartily as we can. And tell me about this, Felicia, the way you do your, your okra on the side. Tell me again what that's all about. I, I put a little um, olive oil in the cast iron skillet. Mm-hmm. We know what the cast iron yes, skillet is. Yes, we do. Mm. I tasted the cast oh, iron skillet. Oh, honey. Oh, I hope not. In a good way. <laughs> okay. A season, nothing like a seasoned Nothing like a season. Black skillet. Um, no. Put a little olive oil, heat the olive oil up, and then I put the okra um, in the cast iron skillet mm-hmm. and put it on a medium fire in the beginning, and then I turn it down. And what I normally do is just take a piece of um, aluminum foil or pot and just cover it a little while to get those, um, get, get the, the moisture, get the steam in there. And turn it over, and in about five to seven minutes, put a little uh, Cajun seasoning in it, and then it's done. Wow. It sure is good. Uh, thanks for bringing us gumbo. It's delicious. The, the shrimp are <clears throat> perfect. Uh, the blue crabs are outrageous. Where do you get your crabs? I get them out of New Orleans. Mm-hmm. That's what make um, you can't find blue crabs here in Jackson, Mississippi. And so I get my blue crabs out of New Orleans and keep them frozen. Yes. Yeah, gumbo crabs we call them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gumbo crabs. They're already broken. 
they're halved or no? Not? They're whole. You get the whole ones. Yeah, sometimes they're alive. Oh, okay. And so I cook them. You chase them around the kitchen with a spoon? <laughs> sometimes. Wow. It depends. Now, Nikki, the gumbo that, that y'all cook for the festival uh, is is not a seafood gumbo. I think you told us it's a chicken and turkey and andouille Correct. sausage, right? Yes. So that's just in case you have a seafood allergy. You're safe at your, <laughs> at your safe at our tent. table. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you put your meats in the liquid directly uncooked, or do you pre-cook any no, of the meats? No, I typically pre-cook all the meat just to get a good browning and a good seasoning on them. Okay. Okay, so we got Christopher know. now on the phone. Christopher's calling in. What's up, Christopher? I don't know if you're talking. You're talking about Rue. All right. Uh, yeah, how you guys doing today? Man, we're good. We're eating gumbo, and we're feeling real good. <laughs> Well, you know, I have to say I disagree with some of the things you're saying about gumbo, but unlike politics, that's a great thing. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us what you disagree with and what you agree with. (laughs) Well, I don't like celery in the gumbo, so I usually make a stock first and put the celery in there. I just don't like the texture in the gumbo, but that's irrelevant. What I want to tell you about the roux is the roux makes the gumbo. That is the beginning. A good stock, a good roux, that is how you start. So... My recommendation is put, you know, one part flour, one part oil, or I use butter, is always better. Um, put that in the pot, let the, let the butter melt, put the flour in, stir it up good. But make sure you have it on low temperature. And mm-hmm. it usually takes me about four or five days to make a root. So <laughs> wow. But look, I mean, that's like turn it off, go to bed, you know, get up before work, do it a little bit. Ah, I see what you're talking about. So Yeah, and so like you set the timer for 30 minutes on the lowest setting, it it, it, it fills the flavor. Low and slow is better for so many things of cooking, and that's it. You can make a roux in an hour or two hours, but it's best to let it slowly do it. And if you accidentally forget it an hour and a half on the lowest temperature, you go right back in and stir it, and it's beautiful. Now, I'm you, a professional chef, and I mean, I, I still think that's the best way of all the tricks of the trade. I think that's the best way to do it. Patience you, is the key. Yeah, great. Do you leave it out when you go to bed, or, or do you put I, it in the refrigerator? Well, yeah, like if, I'm, if I do, if it's going to be out overnight, yes, I'll leave it out. It's just butter and flour. It's fine, right. and you're going to bring it right back up to temperature. That's um, that's. I think that's interesting. I I cook. Not so much these days, but in the old days, I used to cook things over multiple days, mostly soups, red gravies uh, for meatballs and spaghetti, gumbos. Uh, I, I would cook them a little while, turn them off, let it cool down, turn it back on, run an errand. If I went to sleep, I'd always put it in the refrigerator and start over again. But I do think the the slow... Uh, slow melding of a yes. of a one pot mm-hmm. is very magical, oh, and I absolutely. think Christopher's onto something there. Yeah, this, yes. this is new new to me. What about you, Nikki? Have you ever heard or thought about not doing not, a roux overnight? Not, not a roux overnight, but I mean, I, I'm, we talked about this earlier that absolutely gumbo is better either the second or the third day once it all kind right. of sits and mm-hmm. marries together, similar to a spaghetti sauce or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's always better. Well, that's great advice, Christopher. Thanks so much. Where do you cook, by the way? You're a professional uh, chef. Well, I do restaurant consulting now. I used to work at your restaurant as a waiter, uh, like in 1990. It was wow. a lot of fun. Really wow. cool. But uh, I trained in Napa. I trained in New Orleans. I was a demo chef on the of New Orleans. And, uh, you know, I grew up in Gulfport. If you know where the Blowfly Inn is in Gulfport, that's basically yep. right where I grew up, right there on the bio. Oh, like, yeah. the crab traps and we go out and throw cat food out in the bio and wait about 15 minutes to come back and throw a little minnow net over it and pull the crabs in. And Dad would have the driveway line with okra. You know, gumbo can be a 
Oh boy. A, a dish. It's actually it, it connects you to your family. Okay. All right, Christopher. Thanks a lot, man. Uh, we appreciate you sharing. We want to take the next caller. Is Cameron calling? Cameron from Jackson wants to talk about okra. What's up, Cameron? Well, I'm from the past. Oh, I sorry. apologize for losing the call a moment ago, but gumbo is a Cajun word for okra. And to me, it's just a sin to call it gumbo and not have okra in it. Ah. So you use gumbo as a thickener or as a vegetable or both? Both. Uh-huh. Both. And I also, I also use rice flour and yard, uh, lard for my roux. Uh-huh. That's great. And that's a, that's about a new thin, term, rice I may flour. Have, I may have gone there. But, uh, yeah, you can't have gumbo without okra. Gotcha. It would be like calling a uh, carne asada burrito a carne asada burrito without any meat in it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for calling, Cameron. We appreciate it, and we are always happy to hear from people in Past Christian. And now we got Kathleen from Osaka calling. Hey, Kathleen. Well, as an ex-New Orleanian, yay! (laughs) I'm so glad you've got some Louisiana gals in there that... I know I'm enjoying this. The only comment I would have is that I know a lot of people up and down on the gump on the okra. So I uh, fry mine with half cornmeal, half regular flour, add some Cajun seasoning, wait till it's kind of crispy, and what I do is I serve it on top. And it not only looks like a nice little kind of accent, but you can have the flavor of your gumbo, and you never get all that slime and stuff in there. Gotcha. That's interesting. Making the gumbo a sort of topper, uh, like like we were talking about the parsley. So she puts the fried gumbo over the top. I bet that's delicious. I think it sounds really good. I got no problem with that. Not at all. All right. All right, I've got another caller. Let's see. Who's Debbie. next? Debbie is calling from Wesson, Mississippi. Hey, Debbie. Hey, good morning. I have a comment, a follow-up, on the lady who called about using the cake mix with the pumpkin. Okay. Muffin. I do it a little bit differently. I use a carrot cake mix that has the dehydrated carrots and raisins in it because it also has the spices. So you get the spiced pumpkin muffins with a little bit of extra oomph. Hmm. Yeah, with the with the carrots. That's good. Yeah, well, because it has the package of dehydrated carrots and raisins. I guess you could even cake. shred fresh carrots in there. Hmm? Well, you could, but you could just buy it all in one box. You gotta got the cake mix anyway. There you go. There you go. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks, uh, Debbie, for calling in and giving us a little more advice about pumpkin and. Um, uh, it's more of our Thanksgiving theme that we started our show with. Yeah. You know, trying to build up to Thanksgiving, right, Carol? And we are. And we are indeed. All right, we've got another caller here. We've got Jackson, uh, Brian, calling from Jackson, Mississippi. Oh, boy, it's just a follow-up on the peppergrass. Hey, Brian. Hey, uh, there is an herb that grows up in Madison. Um, not a cultivated herb. It's just kind of a ground cover. And imagine it looks like a little a little handful of pine needles, kind of like a little spiky. Uh, well, it's an interesting-looking little plant. And I reached over and I picked it up a little bench and bit on it one day. And it tastes delightfully, but loudly, of chive. Hmm. I mean, so much like chive that it actually has a spicy tongue to it. Now, it has a really reedy, kind of a shredded coconut texture, so it would not be something you'd snip up and put on a salad. But I can speculate that that peppergrass that your fellow is talking about is something similar, that if you tied it up in a little wad of cheesecloth, like a bouquet garni, mm-hmm. it would give some really good punch and flavor. So that's just a speculation. But... uh 
this little herb has a great deal of flavor, but no textural compatibility at all. Wow. Well, that could, in fact, be the old uh, peppergrass <clears throat> that our caller earlier talked about, alluded to. Uh, I, I would guess that um, any sort of mixture of uh, green herbs might not be terrible for the gumbo pot. What do you think, Carol? Well, I mean, some some herbs are going to be maybe not add some bitter, Yeah, add some bitterness, uh-huh. and I, I think you need to be a little more judicious I with you. with what you're picking. Hmm. Um, I see Rick. Rick from, Rick's calling from Madison, Mississippi. What's going on, Rick? Hello. I have a red tomato allergy. I can eat the tomatoes before they turn red, or I can eat yellow tomatoes. But the red ones give me problems. Wow. Can you point me to a good gumbo recipe that doesn't have red tomato in it? Well. My answer being from Louisiana is all of them. No gumbo should have, should have tomatoes. <laughs> yeah. You don't use tomatoes. We, we, sacrilege. We, we normally put tomatoes in okra stew. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So neither of you put t- the tomatoes no. that he's talking no. about in your gumbo. No. So that we can start with either of the recipes that these two ladies have uh, <laughs> as a way not to have a tomato in your in your gumbo. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, so so in other words, they don't use tomatoes uh, in, in their gumbo recipes. So I guess just do not use it uh, and and cook it. Uh, you know, find any recipe for gumbo, and if it says tomato, just eliminate it. Yeah, or when you go to a it. restaurant, ask you know what's what's in it. That's that you're right. They expect it, but I I don't think you're going to find too many tomatoes in gumbo. Yeah, I, I don't think that's the most common ingredient. It's uh, oftentimes not used. But anyway, thanks for listening, Rick, and certainly thank you for calling. Uh, we've got Mickey calling from Mobile, Alabama. Mikey, that's why I call you Mickey every time. Hello, Hello Mikey. people do that. You can call me anything. Just I keep calling anything. me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I, I have a question concerning um, uh, Felix. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandfather, I actually have a jar that was collected by my grandfather, of course, um, it's it's not usable, and I, but I just like having it in my cabinet and looking at it every now and then. It doesn't really even have much fragrance left. Mm. But um, he gathered his own filet, mm-hmm. and I know that it's, it's a sassafras, mm-hmm. and I know how to identify it. And my mother, who is no longer with us, uh, left us a house that has just in the last year or two had an area that's overtaken. I mean, it's just totally overtaken by... Um, small sassafras trees. So my question is, uh, does anybody know anything? I I believe what you're supposed to do is gather the leaves while they're small in the spring. And also, um, can anybody give me information regarding using the roots of these? The trees were about two feet tall last time I saw them. Well, the the roots um, are traditionally used for tea. And I remember my grandmother buying sassafras at the farmer's market in Hattiesburg and making sassafras tea. But it's it's uh, interesting that you bring it up uh, about the filet. And that's a nice spell, F-I-L-E, and it's used as a... A thickener and a flavor, but it came to us from the Choctaw Indians, uh-huh. and the Choctaws were the ones that taught the Cajuns and the Creoles about uh, using phyllo. And I think you take the leaves and you dry them and crush them. I mean, if you have a mortar and pestle, that's that's the best way. But I mean, you can crush them with 
whatever you find I think that's right I think you harvest the young leaves dry them out crush them up put them in a bag and use them uh, as as needed for gumbo or other Okra dishes, I would think. Do you use fillet in anything else? Chef? Nothing but gumbo. You, do you yep. put fillet in your? I do. Or filet, yep. as they say. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're having a good time talking about gumbo. We're going to take a break and come back and uh, visit some more. If you have a question or a comment, we really enjoyed all of our callers from Mobile to uh, all across the state in Jackson here as well, giving us a call at one 672 7464 if you're in past Christiane or Poplarville or all the way up in the prairie, the Black Prairie of Mississippi, you have a question about gumbo, you have a recipe you want to share, an ingredient you want to argue about, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. You can also email us at food at MPB online. For Carol Puckett, myself, Malcolm White, we'll be right back with our guest and your questions. Welcome back. This is our very last segment of today's Deep South Dining. We're talking about gumbo. We're also talking about the Bank Plus International Gumbo Cook-Off that goes on this coming Saturday, the International Gumbo Cook-Off or Gumbo Festival that's happening Saturday in Smith Park in downtown. And we have uh, some of our former uh, winners of that Gumbo Cook-Off contest. The Gumbo Monkeys are here with us. Tell us a little bit about your day down there as far as getting down there, setting up. What time do you start? How do you cook outside versus, say, cooking in an indoor kitchen? So the the day starts pretty early. Uh, we typically get down there around 7 a.m. To, uh, to unload all the pots, the burners, the gas tanks, fire extinguishers, things like that. Um, and we'll start putting everything together probably about 8, and then we're ready to serve by 11. Uh, but most of the prep is really Thursday and Friday. It's a lot of, I think we cook uh, 20 pounds of rice, and then you have to get all your Trinity cut up and sauteed, all the meat cut up and cooked, and then kind of Saturday morning you just kind of marry it all together because it's supposed to be done on site. Right. So, uh, Nikki, in, the, in your day life, you're actually an engineer. Yes. Have you found that to be useful in your gumbo prep? I, en- I enjoy being able to start something and finish it. Ah. The work is, is kind of a continuous improvement cycle. You don't get to finish something. So uh, so it's nice to start a recipe and see people smile and enjoy it. Gotcha. Now, Felicia, have you ever entered your gumbo in any kind of contest? Not in the, the not international in the main, gumbo not cook-off. In the, <laughs> <laughs> not in it. But when I, I'm also former owner of Ken's Cajun Kitchen. So when I was there, they would try to get us every year to do it, but we never had a chance to do it. Never did. Because you were too busy in the kitchen. Yeah, we were too busy. <laughs> but your gumbo's known. And, yes. And people can still access your gumbo, right? Yes, they can. Friends and... Friends and family can, can Just get in touch with go you. go on social media? Yeah, they could look me up by the Gumbo Queen. Mm-hmm. Um, or they can... Or Felicia, or Felicia Kent. Yeah, Felicia mm-hmm. Kent. Felicia Kent. I think I've looked you up that way before. Yeah, Felicia Kent. It was before I knew you were a queen. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to have you join us at the St. Patty's Parade with your crown or your tiara or something. We've got to do that. I would be delighted okay, to. Okay, good, good. So um, one of the aspects of the um, International Gumbo Festival uh, sponsored by Bank Plus is that uh, all the proceeds from the event go to benefit 
uh, the H.T. White and Hal White Memorial Scholarship. And, of course, I'm sure you know that's my father and my brother Hal. And we, we have two uh, scholarship uh, programs, one at Northeast Community College up in Booneville, where my dad was president, and the other one here in Jackson at Hines Community College. And And both of these programs offer scholarships for young people who want to go to school and and get a culinary degree and train to go into the hospitality industry, uh, but who need a little financial assistance. And so it's a great way to support uh, the culinary arts, uh, the hospitality hospitality industry, and also to have a big time by going out uh, to Smith Park this Saturday in downtown Jackson at 11 o'clock. There's music and food and all sorts of fun stuff. You can stop in and, and talk to the gumbo makers uh, and enjoy the festival. And, again, we appreciate those uh, uh, proceeds uh, going to our scholarship fund. Well, it's really important in Mississippi now that we train people to become chefs because there are so many jobs, and not just chefs, but in the hospitality industry. We're really lucky with the boom in casinos and family restaurants and other restaurants that we that that's just this become a great career. Well, Felicia, are you uh, trained as a chef, or is was this just something that you've always pursued as a as a hobby? as a passion, a passion something uh-huh. I pursued as a passion? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You ever you did cook in a restaurant? Yes, and you were in the restaurant. Yeah, business Ken's for a while. Cajun Kitchen. We used to be located in Madison, uh, Mississippi, on Colony Crossing. All right, we've got a caller. We've got Edgar calling in from Jackson. What's going on, Edgar? Hey there, folks. How you guys doing? Man, we're great. Hey, Good to hear from you. Hey, look, I'm uh, I'm on the receiving end of the gumbo. I'm not a cook. <laughs> I love uh, it. And I just wanted to say hi to Felicia because I love her gumbo. We love her gumbo. Oh, hello, Dr. Smith. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Tell Ines I said hello. I certainly will, but I just wanted wanted to have a shout-out to your great gumbo and looking forward to eating much more of it as we can. Thank you. Well, Edgar, we don't want to make you mad, but we're sitting here eating it right now. You just made me mad. (laughs) (laughs) You guys take care. Thanks for taking my call. Well, thank you for calling, and always uh, thanks for listening. And, uh, Carol, you and I were uh, out at Tougaloo College last week, and we were talking about Dr. Edgar Smith. Edgar Smith. Who uh, who was was emeritus on the board, On the board and was an interim president at Tougaloo College. And and I served. And is a graduate of Tougaloo College. And I served with him on the Blues Commission, and uh, particularly the work that, that he and I have been passionate about the benevolence of helping the blues uh, players from around the, the state who, who might need a little financial uh, assistance. And, you know, when we talk about this show being about the culture of Mississippi in the Deep South, uh, I just like to say I think Edgar Smith is a real hero. He's Cultural taught, ambassador. He is, and he's uh, taught blues classes at Tougaloo. Right. And, he helped us found the well. He he didn't. He was one of us with a small team that founded the BB King Museum. Right. And anyway, Doctor uh, Smith, thanks for all you do, Absolutely. and we'll Thank get you, you some gumbo. We're gonna get yes. you some gumbo, and we appreciate you calling in to Deep South Dining. So, Nikki, you'll be down uh, Saturday morning, bright and early, Absolutely. in Smith Park with your. With your buddies, your group, your crew, whatever you call it. Yep, friends and family. And you not only, as you said earlier, you not only make a a pot of competitive gumbo, but you also cook etouffee for your team. Is that right? Oh, we cook jambalaya for the team. Oh, jambalaya. Sorry. Got got the wrong 
wrong dish there. And do you use any of the shared ingredients in, in those two? We do. A lot of the uh, a lot of the chicken and the sausage is mm-hmm. is the same. Yeah. So. so you do this to keep them out of the gumbo. <laughs> I, I do. I do it to keep them out of the gumbo and to keep them vertical during the day. Yeah, right. Well, it makes for a long day, right? It is a long day. And what time yeah. do you get all this stuff taken down and get back? Uh, out of there. We're, we're like I said, we're there at seven in the morning to unload, and we're typically about uh, six thirty, loading back up and getting out. So it's it's a full day. If you go to the International Gumbo Cookoff, go by and see Nikki Allison and her group called the Gumbo Monkeys. They'll probably have their trophy out there from past victories. Eight of them. Eight, eight trophies. Oh, eight. eight. Count them. Eight. I love it. We should have touched on that earlier. But anyway, <laughs> thanks a lot uh, both to uh, Nikki Allison. Uh, and to Felicia Kent, the gumbo queen, Thank for being you. here with us. Carol, uh, we've done it again. Deep South Dining is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting's Think Radio. It is funded by generous contributors and listeners like yourself. Our show is produced by the magnificent Java Chapman, and we appreciate each and every one of you tuning in and listening to us. Next up is Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey, followed by Southern Remedy at 11. Join us this next Monday and every Monday leading up to Thanksgiving, and we're going to be talking about food, food, and the culture of food. 